This podcast is sponsored by Buxton in Bayside, the premier Bayside real estate agency. Hello, I am Marie Lacey, and together with my co-host Kate Harvey, welcome to the Bayside Bubble. Every fortnight, we will be sharing interesting and happy stories about life here in Bayside. Our plan is to tap into our wonderful community to uncover locals' anecdotes, past and present. This podcast would not be possible without our major sponsor, Buxton Real Estate, where local property knowledge and experience really does matter. So jump on board, hit subscribe and share the bubble love. Welcome back to the Bayside Bubble. Hello, Kate Harvey, Kitty Cat. Hi, Marie Lacey. How's your week been? It's been good. It's been a very good week. As you said, we're getting back into our normal Mm, getting out. Yes. Bit of fun. But as we said last week, overwhelming. I know. And what's getting me as well is I'm a bit tired when I've been out a couple of nights oh, a week. I don't I have the stamina anymore. I know. Last week I was out a few nights and not doing anything exciting, but out, you know, basketball with Luca again. And I think we went to the movies as well. And it was just like Monday, Tuesday, just too much for me. <laughs> I was home by 9.30, but it was just too we much. We need to build our stamina back up. Yeah. I can only do two things at once now. Two things, two at, things once. at once. Well, I can do, always do two things at once. <laughs> <laughs> Two things in one week. Yeah. Okay. So we had a lovely chat with a wonderful man called John Loco. Have you heard about John Loco? I have, but our listeners may not have. Well, I can tell you about him, Kitty Cat, mm. and our, our listeners. He is a founder of Icebergers. Ah. So they're that crazy crew that mm. swim 365 days a year. And I met with John and we had a great discussion about his life as an iceberger, but living in Brighton. So his family came from Brighton. And he has wonderful memories of, you know, swimming in in Brighton Beach when he was five and six years of age. And just when he talked about that, his eyes lit up with Mm. just passion. And then he was on council for many years and he was also mayor of Bayside back in the 90s. But he has managed to enjoy his life as an iceberger and got amazing people behind him who support the actual foundation. So he talks to us all about icebergers and swimming in the bay. I can't wait. And I expect he's going to be a bit of a character, Marie. He's a very funny man who has just a love for his life here in Bayside. Beautiful. Let's listen. Okay, let's do it. Here we are today, very excited to chat with John Locko, a local Bayside with a formidable career. John commenced his career as a teacher, having taught at Brighton Secondary College and Moorabbin Technical College, a local Brighton councillor in the 1980s for 11 years, and elected as the Mayor of Brighton in 1992. 1993, he was instrumental in preventing the closure and ensuring the preservation of the Middle Brighton Baths. However, in my opinion, his claim to fame is as the founder of the famous Brighton Icebergers. So welcome, John. How are you today? Marie, very well, and thanks for the opportunity. You are more than welcome. Now, John, you talk about growing up in Brighton in the 1950s. Let's chat about your family and what you remember about living here in Brighton. Well, I grew up in the 50s. I was actually born in 1950, yes, I spent all my career, all my life in Brighton. Very fortunate to be able to do so, a lovely suburb. My family had come both sides of them from the Alps of Northern Italy in the 30s, established their life for themselves in Australia and away we went. So when your dad and your mum arrived into Australia, what were their jobs? What did they do? Well, my grandfather paternally is a very successful businessman and he'd established the Melbourne Middle Brighton bus lines, which is a passenger service from Brighton to Melbourne and back. My father worked for him and my mother's side, well, they were entrepreneurial too and they had a knitwear business that they were conducting and my mother worked in that. And you started your career in teaching. So tell us about your life as a teacher. 
I had a fantastic career as a teacher, enjoyed every single moment of it. Began in 1973 and ended in 2005. And I know, Marie, you did mention Moorabbin City Technical High School and Brighton High School. I had the last 11 years of my career at Elwood College with the great men, Andre Campana and Peter Giles. Worked with them for 11 years, had a fantastic time at Elwood College, and it was close to the foreshore, which pleased me no end. Well, your passion is. So tell me about your project about the Brighton Bars and how you got into the council side, because you became mayor in 1992-93. What was your background prior to becoming mayor? I was just a kid growing up in Brighton. I used to kick footballs with the East Brighton Football Club and the Brighton United Church of Christ Football Clubs. And I was a swimmer, a bike rider and a runner. And I'd spent the year of 1980 overseas. And uh, prior to the Middle Brighton Bars, there was a set of bars at Brighton Beach. And they were lost. They were taken from the community. The vandals got after them, and I'm talking the civic vandals. When they pulled over the Brighton beach bars, they said, we will keep Middle Brighton in a first-rate condition and in a first-rate way. We will keep the Middle Brighton bars. So I spent 1980 overseas, and I come back, and I'm lying on the boards of the bars just having had a swim, and a great, great friend of mine, a great local identity, Con Gorazidis, he was working for the Brighton Council at the time and he's walking along the deck with a chainsaw. And I said, Dora, what are you doing? He said, I'm here to do some repairs. And I said, with a chainsaw? And he said, yeah. And he proceeded to start the chainsaw and drop the platform into the sea. If that constituted a repair, there's something seriously amiss here. So in my naivety, I started ringing the councillors thinking, well, as soon as I asked them to do something about the Brighton Bar, something would happen. And that would be it. But nothing happened at all. And they were on a mission to a calcitrant Brighton council at the time, led by the staff who decided it had no value. They were going to pull those Brighton bars over. And I just had a beam of bonnet about that. I said, well, you might get them over and you might get them down, but you're going to have to fight to do it. Thank God you did stop them because it's such an iconic building. Well, it's just so important to the ethos of Brighton as a seaside town. It's just a fantastic facility, and for the meagre amount of money it cost to rebuild back in 1986, $435,000. Now, when you compute that, that doesn't even buy you a quarter of a block of land in East Brighton these days. Certainly doesn't, not at all. So after 11 years in council, you became mayor in 1992. Can you tell us about that year and what you enjoyed most about being mayor? To tell you the truth, Marie, it's something I avoided. I could have become mayor earlier in my term, but look, I'm not the most social creature of all time. I'm a very gregarious person. I consider myself gregarious and hale and hearty and well met, but I'm not much for the society of things. In the end, I had to become the mayor, albeit reluctantly, because I wasn't big time on the society, but all opening up bowls clubs and croquet clubs and things like that. Even though everywhere I went, I was given a fantastic reception and I began to learn to enjoy it. Thank you for doing that, because without you doing what you did as mayor, there'd be no Brighton Baths left. Well, that's certainly right, Marie, and I'll accept that because it was very political, it was very dirty, it was very nasty. And the old Brighton Club, they were absolutely determined to pull those Brighton Baths over. And look, in the end, I've just got to say this. I was on an excursion as a school teacher, had my kids in the city, giving them a bit of city experience. And here's the headquarters of the BLF. And I look in the building And here's Norm Gallagher sitting in his seat. I went into the office and I said, I'd like to talk to Norm because the Brighton bars are on the way out. And I thought, well, 
he put a black band on its demolition that night. Then the council had to negotiate to do something about it. Thank God. I grew up in those Brighton Beach bars. My boy, I understand your point. Leave it to me. And that night going home, I read that they'd put a black band on the destruction. So that was Norm Gallagher. Good on you, Norm. So let's chat about swimming. Were you an avid swimmer as a child? Marie, couldn't swim for nuts. My grandfather used to take me down to the uh, Brighton bars on a Saturday morning when they had learned to swim classes. And I was a terrible swimmer. But then I never get one day, I was at the um, Associated Catholic Colleges Sports Carnival, Athletic Carnival, and it was a really, really hot day. And I think Aristotle Onassis had announced his engagement to uh, Jackie Kennedy. And I remember that day, and I went down to the Brighton Bars to have a swim with my great lifelong friend, Terry Pritchard, and we jumped in the water at the end and we dared each other to swim to the next pole, which is about five metres apart. And that's what we did. We swam pole to pole, clinging on until we finally got to the shore and pretty ordinary performance, couldn't swim for nuts. And I remember lining up in Z grade at CBC St Kilda at the Swimming Carnival and being last across the pool in Z grade. But if they had that carnival today, I'd win every single race on the program. So what made you go from not being a good swimmer and not enjoying it so much to deciding to form icebergers? I mean, what made you do that? I didn't form the icebergers straight away. There's nothing that I thought about or formulated It just came about after time, but I fell in love with swimming because I used to love the taste of the salt water and the feeling of the salt water on your skin. Over time, I became a daily swimmer. I had the great, great fortune of encountering a person called Douglas Booth, and Doug, as a young man, would come and get me to go swimming with him in the morning. He then left and went and began his international career, and I continued on with it. So do you remember the exact moment that you decided to form the swimming club called Icebergers? No, there was no exact moment that happened. It evolved because I never forget back in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, a great, great friend of mine, Paul Sadler, Paul Sadler Swim Schools, a fantastic man, Paul, and what he's done for people's lives through swimming. He brought down his mate, Robert Hooper, and we swam a few laps at the back of the bars, probably a K, 20 laps, in the summer. And I'd been swimming by myself throughout the winters, and Robert Hooper said to me, "Uh, look, what are you swimming next? And I said, on Wednesday, and I actually didn't turn up because I had a staff meeting that I didn't plan on having, and so I wasn't there, but it was only a loose arrangement. So the next time I saw Hoops, he was quite indignant that I hadn't turned up for the swim. So I said, look, we're swimming at 4 o'clock because we used to swim after school in those days. So it started from there. Hoops held me to a timetable, and away we went. So you've been swimming here in Port Phillip Bay since 1973. Since 1956, over the summers, but in the winter since 73, yes. I started in the winter of 73. So when did that quick dip eventuate into the ocean course swim? I thought to myself, in and out, you're giving yourself no time to acclimatise. How long can you stay in the cold water? And I formulated this concept in my mind about doing a July mile, which was 32 laps of the old bars at 55 yards a lap, which gives you 176 naught yards to the mile. And I used to muck around with doing it by way of time, time extension. So I went from 5 to 7 to 10 to 15 to 20 minutes. I thought I can have a crack at this mile. And it, was, it was psychological, really. But eventually, look, I got the July mile done. And then so did other people around that time that had joined me. But they were one-offers. They came and they went. They never persisted. And now, look, people stay in the water for an hour. The great John Van Whistle, for example, just did yesterday an hour and a half in the water. That's crazy. That is crazy. So you have named a few of these open ocean swims, including the 250 Morning Glory, the 1.5K No Brainer, the 2K Big Course, and I think the 5.4K Anzac Course. 
Who came up with these names? Initially, Robert Hooper and I were swimming two courses. One was called the no-brainer when we merely swam around the Brighton Pier. Now, the no-brainer is about a 1.2, and on conditions it could be swum clockwise or anti-clockwise. And then there was the green pole off in the southwest corner of the Brighton Bar out towards Denny Street. We swam in a clockwise direction, anti-clockwise direction, around all the poles around the Brighton Pier at the time. That became known as the big course. So initially there was two courses, big course and no-brainer. And beyond that, others have come up with names for other courses. Okay. Now, I know that the Icebergers use this nickname called the Teabaggers. So recently, a few friends and myself have been called the Bayside Dippers. So we've been jumping in the water and jumping out. Are we actually known as a teabagger? Yes, you'd be known as a teabagger. A teabagger jumps in and jumps out. And good on you for doing that. That's a big effort too. Feels fantastic. But the teabaggers should probably learn to have three or four jiggles, not just one, and stay under for a while and get out and get some real benefit out of it. Also, when we left the Brighton Bars when they were being renovated, we took to the open water and we became free rangers and those left behind the bars became battery heads. Known for their modernist Bayside residences, Chisholm Constructions are a premier Bayside builder. A key strength of Chisholm Constructions is that all builds are overseen by Tom Chisholm, the man himself. Tom involves himself in the entire process so that the final construction meets his high standards. Tom and his team only build houses they would be happy to live in. You can find them on Insta, Facebook and via their website. If you are in the market to build, contact Chisholm Constructions today. For more than 150 years, Buxton Bayside has had one fundamental goal, to achieve the highest possible price for every one of their clients. Whether it be a simple studio or a family home, their commitment to that objective never wavers. Buxton believes in outstanding presentation, strategic marketing, advanced technologies, and with a trusted brand and local know-how, they really are the cornerstones of a premium client outcome. Buxton Bayside's aim is to establish relationships based on integrity and trust, care and respect. Contact Buxton Bayside today for a market appraisal and to prepare your home for sale or rent in 2021. So have you become an iceberger and does it cost anything? No, no. Look, look. There's plenty of people who claim to be icebergs and that's something for them. doesn't really bother me. But in my view, if you want to be claimed as an iceberger, then turn up and swim on a consistent and a persistent basis in Port Phillip Bay over the winter and over winters. So when you say consistently and persistently, are you saying that they have to do it every day in the winter? I've just come off 100 straight days of winter swimming. Whoa. Well, there's only 92 days in winter, of course, but I completed every day of this winter. That was 92 days. I thought, well, I'm aimed for 100 straight days. Look, over my career, I would have swum consistently six out of the seven days. That is so impressive, John. And are you doing, when you said you were doing that 92 days and then you want to get to the 100 days, are you doing the 250 morning glory? Are you doing the 1.5 no-brainer? What one are you doing? Well, actually, these days, Marie, because of shoulders and shoulder surgery, I do half an hour at a time, which gives me 45 hours for the winter over 92 days. It actually gives me 45 and a half hours, but I aim for the 45 hours. So these days I swim freestyle, not all that much, but I do a lot of aquarobic exercises, which is pumping my arms, pumping my legs and catching the water with hands and feet and legs, which I find is as beneficial as freestyle swimming. Yeah, for sure. So when you think about your members, 
How many members do you have and what's the male to female ratio? Well, the women have actually got a representation now. There's a serious number of women that have actually taken up and good on them for doing that. Initially, it was the first like 12, 15 other swimmers were men. The women, I'd say, would be 10, 15% of the club. And uh, we've had a young fella called Dan. He was 13 or 14. Oh, I read about him. Yes, he was really young. Yeah, yeah. His mum's a swimmer as well. So what about the oldest? Well, the oldest is a fellow that takes the temperature every morning. He's about 92, Doug Weir. Still doing that today? Yeah, he's had to stop because of COVID because you can only cold water swim on an extended basis if you've actually got facilities to go to. And we're very fortunate we've got the steam and the sauna and the hot shower and away you go. So back in the day, you wouldn't have had those facilities at all? No. Well, that's one of the first things I did was upgrade the facilities in the dressing room to make sure they could cater for winter swimmers, yes. So just on that, with the temperature of the water, you mentioned it's 14 degrees. What's the coldest temperature that you could swim in? Well, in the old days, I can remember seeing four and a half degrees on the board, but that just wasn't right. Look, I think the lowest Port Phillip Bay gets to is eight and a half degrees. So if you go down in the depth of the winter, you can expect to be swimming in, say, nine and a half, ten degrees, but it's not so much the water temperature, it's the air chill. I couldn't do that. I don't know how you do it. When I walk down to the Brighton Baths, I see that cordoned off pool area. Who has access to that? Well, in the Brighton Baths itself. Correct, yes. Not being part of the management of the Brighton Baths, I I don't know. Look, I just think Matt might have cordoned that off the his private per- for, me- for members. Okay. Now, what about icebergers and when they're swimming? Has anyone ever lost their togs? Not that I'm aware of. Are you sure? <laughs> well, <laughs> am I sure? Well, yes, I'm sure. <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to throw that in. Okay. Now, in 2010, a three-metre shark was spotted off Brighton Beach. It made news headlines, but it didn't deter the icebergers. Have you ever witnessed a member terrified of jumping into the bay because of sharks? Well, actually, it was a blue shark that put a few people off their swim that day. There was people that day that refused to do the normal lunchtime swim, but basically they take to the water with abandon. For sure. When you talk about joining icebergers and meeting people over your years, and you've met some many friends, some great friends, right. swimming would be seen as a socially distant sport, wouldn't it? Absolutely it is. But you've made so many friends over the years. Is there one particular that comes to mind who you think has made a positive impact on your life? Oh, look, I've met some very, very nice people. And I couldn't just say one, but look, I've got to mention two. The great Robert Hooper, a fantastic man. He was there at the start. And as I said, he put me on a timetable and we stayed to that timetable. And basically it was Monday, Wednesday and Friday nights with Robert Hooper and then Saturday and Sunday mornings. Other than that, I was swimming every other day. Hooch was on five times a week, and I could never beat him. He was on five times a week. I was on probably nine times a week. You never beat him? Once or twice, he might have let me. And the other great mate of mine is a fantastic man. He swam the oceans of the world, uh, Laurie Weir. And I swam with Laurie for 20 years, and Laurie pulled up his peg and he moved up to Cloncurry. He's living by the side of the ocean up there in northern New South Wales, and fantastic man, Laurie Weir. So all those people you've met over the years have made such a great impact in your life. Yeah. And So here's to Robert and to Laurie. Now, there was a book titled Beyond the Tip, A Tale of the Icebergers of Brighton and written by a fellow iceberger, Don Warner, and he tells the passion in that book of being an iceberger. In three words, how would you describe an iceberger? In three words. Not four, not four. I'm not giving you four or five this time. I'm just giving you three. Consistently, persistently determined. 
awesome answer. That was just sensational. Thank you. Now, John, the Bayside Bubble podcast started when my co-host Kate and I were walking along the Bayside paths and we used to read those local community seats and they've got the plaque dedicated to local people around Bayside. If you had one that was dedicated to you, what would you like it to say? Oh, I would like it to say, I told you I was sick. <laughs> <laughs> and what a way to end. What a way to end. That's a famous saying, isn't it? I love the sea. I love the sea. And what a great way to end. John, it's been wonderful talking to you today. I really have enjoyed it. And thank you so much for giving the people of Bayside, the Brighton Bards and the Icebergers, and for doing what you did back in the council days. And thanks to Norm, meeting Norm in the building that day. You really have achieved a lot. And without people like you in our community, we wouldn't have what we have today. So thank you for today and thanks for what you've done. Really appreciate it. Marie, thank you very much for your nice, kind words. I fully appreciate them and I'm just so glad the Brighton Bars is there because it's a hub of activity. It's a central point and community is the benefactor. What an amazing guy John Loco is. Such a character. I knew we would be. So much fun chatting to him and he wants to come back and chat to us again one day and I hope he does. That'd be fun. I loved his three words, consistently, persistently determined. You don't achieve what he's done with council, with icebergers, et cetera, and that dedication to his sport without doing that. That's very Being true. Being that. I know. Yeah. And his inscription on the plaque. Oh, my that? gosh. I told you I was sick. That was exactly my dad's favourite saying. It's a bit of a dad joke, really. It is a dad joke. <laughs> it is a dad joke. It is. But uh, I think what I loved about him is just, you know, John's ultimate love for the sea. Mm-hmm. And salt of the earth. And he is he? salt of the earth. So, no, it was, a, it was a lovely chat with John. So thank you, John, for coming on board the Bayside Bubble. Here's to our next chat. Exactly. We hope to talk to you again next year. I hope so. Well, that's it for this year, Marie. I know. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? 2020. (laughs) Can you believe it, kitty cat? I'm glad to see the end of it, to be honest. I think we all are, but we've still got our health. Here's to a happy 2021. And thanks again to the Bayside Bubble listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Bayside Bubble with Kate and Marie. If you enjoyed our show and would like to know more, please head to our website, www.baysidebubble.com.au or to suggest new Bayside stories or to leave feedback, please email us at baysidebubblepodcast at gmail.com. As we are a new podcast, we would appreciate a rating by going to Apple Podcast or wherever you listen to this show. A big shout out to our sponsors, Buxton Real Estate and Chisholm Constructions. Until next time, that's a fortnight from now. Take care.